It's Psychology Month. That means it's a busy time here at the Canadian Psychological Association as we're profiling 28 different psychologists making an impact during the pandemic. The variety of ways psychologists are helping out is truly amazing. Whether it's combating misinformation online or figuring out what makes people resistant to mask wearing or dealing with specific aspects of the concurrent mental health crisis, the ways psychology is helping have been endless. So today, we're going to introduce you to a few of those psychologists. My name is Eric Bowman. I'm the communications person at the CPA, and this is Mindful. We've had a Super Bowl, a World Series, a Stanley Cup, and an NBA championship during the pandemic, but we haven't had an Olympics. College sports have been disrupted in a major way. Athletes across Canada are facing a myriad of challenges from cancellations to postponements to finding motivation to continue training while in lockdown. Dr. Adrienne Leslie Toogood is a psychologist with Canadian Sports Centre Manitoba and she's found a number of ways to connect athletes with one another both here in Canada and around the world. I just recognized there were a lot of athletes in this space. There were athletes who were back from professional contracts who were no longer overseas uh, competing. We had athletes back from the NCAA whose seasons were cancelled prior to uh, finals and and the end of those competitions. We had athletes who were no longer going to the Olympic Games. We had just had a bunch of people from all walks of lives, which quite frankly would never usually interact with each other. You know, our our it, first of all, it's sports specific, so cyclists may not never, ever talk to basketball players. Uh, you just get very busy in your world, uh, but also the different levels may not interact with each other. So. I I recognized there were all these um, athletes around. And uh, one of the things that I did during this time was I created a group. I, I called it Terrific Tuesdays. And quite honestly, some other people have spun off that and done groups across the country in different areas as well. But it was a Terrific Tuesday group. And uh, the Canadian Sports Centre of Manitoba, we ran it. It was every Tuesday morning at 11 a.m. Central Standard Time to accommodate uh, different time zones that people happen to still be in Europe. We had a couple athletes who uh, were no longer playing their seasons, but it was safer for them to stay there at the time. And we had an unbelievable experience. It, you know, just like everything else, it was a first time. So we evolved it and grew it at the time. Uh, you know, we show up on the call and there's about 50 people and I want it to be a community building situation. And uh, it's if everyone's just staring at each other, it doesn't work that way. So then we started using the breakout groups. Uh, we made it so that every uh, week I assign different people the opportunity to share something that they'd experienced or some part of their story so that they could then uh, interact with each other and we could learn and grow from each other. And then at the end of that, I started to write down a quote that they said and grab a picture from them that was important. And we put that in social media to um, inspire and motivate other people. And it ended up being just this incredible experience um, as well. Near the end, I started inviting different guest speakers in. Uh, so that was one thing that I've done. Um, another thing that I've done during this time was uh, in collaboration with a few colleagues, I started a podcast series called Heroes in Our Midst. And what I wanted to do was tell the story about the human behind the performance. And for me, I get the opportunity to see these incredible human beings. And sport is not about how fast you run. It's about what you become in the process of trying to run fast. And I know that, but I'm not sure we always understand that. And right. I'm not sure the world understands uh, why sport's so important. So uh, we took a bunch of Paralympic and Olympic athletes and coaches who uh, were no longer, were not competing in the summer. And we decided that we would interview them and tell their story. And so it's really just the story of who they are and what it does is it um we recognize a common humanity and that we're all human beings doing these great things and so we've really um 
we've continued to do that. And we're looking at doing a second season of that coming up uh, in April, where we're looking at more um, a wider range than just athletes and people in other walks of life, like firefighters and emergency medical doctors and teachers. And we have a whole range of professionals and we're talking about their story of who they are and how COVID's impacted them as well as part of that story. Um, so those are a couple of things I've done in this space. Um, I started book club with a couple of athletes, uh, really just trying to reconnect people with their, their why and who they are and, and try and keep people mentally well. And quite honestly, that's something that I think is misunderstood a little bit. And something I'm always doing is, um, you know, when we're pushing ourselves to be, be the best we can at something, sometimes um, it taxes us uh, physically, but also sometimes it taxes us emotionally as well. And so I'm always spending a lot of time just trying to uh, get a sense for who the person is. Um, very non-judgmental. Self-compassion theory is a huge part of my work um, and really trying to help them understand who they are and how they're wired and how we can help them be the best version of themselves out there. So, um, you know, doing lots of different fun things and uh, really appreciating the support I have across the network. Uh, that's another thing that happened as well. <clears throat> we started to support each other a lot more and we had uh, meetings every week or every couple of weeks with the different service providers and ensuring that we all stayed well in this process and that we exchanged ideas and, uh, you know, uh, did the best we could to support each other as well as the athletes that we work with. So what exactly are some of the issues top-level athletes are facing at this time? The reality is it's a really tough situation. And I know at one point uh, there were sort of multiple cancellations. And you have some athletes who it's not like they knew the whole story at the beginning. It's like, okay, that part of the story is removed. This part of the story is removed. Okay. Now this is shut down. You know, it just kept on going and you're like, Oh my gosh. And so then you start thinking, you know, what's my role in that. And I remember I saw a quote by Brene Brown where she was talking about empathy and she was saying that, you know, empathy is not running to turn the light on empathy is having the courage to sit in the dark with someone. And I think that that's a lot of the role we play sometimes is having the courage to, um, you know, sit with people and allow them to feel and be wherever they are and all emotions are okay. And I think that's really powerful and really important. And that's one of the challenges during this time is I think a lot of people, when people are upset or they're, they're, they're feeling or they're grieving because they've had loss. Um, and I don't just mean human loss. I mean, you can lose very important parts of your life, even if it's something small, like going to the gym or visiting with someone that you really enjoyed. Um, and it's okay. And sometimes you react a lot to that. Sometimes a little wherever however you react is okay. And I know for myself, I also reflect back to the literature that looked at uh, concentration camps and the people who survived and thrived and the ones who really struggled and the people who really struggled at concentration camps were the optimists because their heart kept getting broken. And eventually it really, it really hurt them. And when we think about athletes and people who live with passion, a lot of those people are very optimistic. And so uh, I know I'm very much wired that way. It's really important that we can consider who we are and the impact it's having on us. And we do what we need to do to stay mentally well during this time. So I think that um, in sport, we have the opportunity to do that. But in life, we have the opportunity to do that with each other. Along with everything else she's doing, Dr. Leslie Tugut has started a podcast as well. You can search for Heroes in Our Midst and find it on her website, drtugood.com. Another person doing dozens of things at once during the pandemic is Dr. Christine Chambers. A professor at Dalhousie University, the scientific director of the Canadian Institutes of Health Research Institute of Human Deve Development, Child and Youth Health. The list goes on. I spoke to her about SKIP, or Solutions for Kids in Pain, where she is the scientific director. SKIP is a, a 
federally funded uh, national knowledge mobilization network solutions for kids in pain focused on, um, you know, moving research into practice, uh, improving children's pain management in health institutions. And, you know, we received funding for four years. And so our first year of operations was in the before times, right? Like before right. the pandemic. Uh, so we had that sort of initial year to, you know, um, lay groundwork, develop relationships, build momentum. And then, yeah, the pandemic hit just as we were entering into our second second year of operations. And, you know, it's fascinating, um, both in terms of like the areas of focus that we're engaging in right now, but also just the process of knowledge mobilization, right? So, you know, how research gets moved into practice is really built a lot on relationships and bringing people together. And, you know, in our first year, we had so many, um, you know, workshops and, 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 you know, played a key convening and catalyzing role in bringing people together on a number of issues and in physical spaces. And all of a sudden, you know, you lose your ability to do that. So, you know, some of the, um, you know, focus that we've had over the last year has just been like, okay, like, how do we do this virtually? Thankfully, we had a number of partners in SKIP who, you know, were already in the digital space, um, either with health providers or with parents. So we, we had the right tools and the right ability to kind of leverage those. From a, a content perspective, uh, obviously vaccinations is a huge topic right now, um, you know, just in, in public and in related to the pandemic. And in the area of children's pain, uh, vaccination pain evidence um, is, is very robust. Anna Tadio and others, Megan McMurtry, who's also a psychologist, um, have pulled together this evidence and there's a clinical practice guideline. So this is a space where we have a lot of evidence. And so we've been doing a lot of public engagement around needles, um, how to prepare for needles. The evidence, well, you know, emanating from the pediatric literature is relevant to adults and older Canadians as well. Uh, virtual care has obviously, um, you know, been uh, something that in the healthcare space people are engaging in a new and different ways. And so uh, Katie Burney, also a psychologist um, in SKIP, uh, has, uh, you know, been leading some really interesting work in this space. But I'd also say, like, it's just interesting. And I think every health person right now is struggling with this is how do you keep your issue? So in my case, pain, um, a priority in the middle of the pandemic, right? Like we were working to improve pain management in Canadian health institutions. You know, how do you keep your health issue uh, a priority of competing against all this very important focus on the pandemic? So it's been a, it's been a hell of a year. What can I say? And we, we've been learning a lot. Yeah, no doubt. Uh, yeah. And, have you do you think you've been successful in keeping that issue uh, front and center uh, while all of these other things are going on around you? Yeah, I mean, I think we have. And we've been surprised, actually, how much progress people have been able to make um, in moving pain forward as a priority in their in their institution. Uh, we've been, you know, uh, contacted by other hospitals. I mean, there. I think in our area of pain management, like a lot of areas, there are champions who have been at this for years trying to move these issues forward. Um, and, you know, sometimes, although this pandemic has created a lot of chaos and disruption, it's sometimes like in times of chaos where everything's upside down that you can actually, um, you know, uh, make, make progress with an issue. Uh, we've also found that people are needing sort of COVID breaks too, right? Like everything is all COVID all the time. And we've had a couple stakeholders say to us, like, we wanna focus on something else. Or, you know, the work that Skip is doing, 
you know, makes us feel hopeful. Um, and we want to engage in that space right now. Dr. Chambers is also involved with Science Up First, the online initiative to debunk disinformation surrounding the pandemic and the vaccines. You can follow her on Twitter at Dr. C. Chambers. Now we head to Nova Scotia, where Courtney Gosselin is a graduate student at Acadia University. With 25 other students and her supervisor, Dr. Karen Blair, Courtney worked on a huge survey of Canadians early on in the pandemic. Part of that survey involved people writing letters to themselves. There were two questions, actually. One was a message to a past self before the pandemic began, and then a message to a future self. Um, and so really what happened was Dr. Blair and colleagues launched this broad scale COVID-19 coping study, you know, looking at mental health and well-being, interpersonal relationships, attitudes towards public restrictions and mask wearing and other kinds of things. Um, Karen can expand on that if you'd like. And um, there were these two questions at the end inspired by this video by an Italian director. It went viral on YouTube and was shared by major media outlets. And it was entitled 10 Days. And in this video, Italians from across Italy um, were asked to send a message to themselves 10 days ago, because Italy was guessed to be about eight to 10 days ahead of the US, England and France in terms of COVID-19 progression and spread. And so what you got was this kind of messages from the front lines of Italy on what to expect only 10 days in. And so, Dr. Blair thought that that would be an interesting question to, to ask the, the people participating in this COVID coping study. And in, in addition to just asking, knowing what you know about the state of the world now, the pandemic and your life in general, what would you say to yourself before the pandemic began? Um, she also developed a second question asking, if you were to ask yourself, if you had a question for your future self a week from now, what would you ask? Okay, and did you find that there was uh, a sort of through theme in most of the letters that people wrote? And um, I'm also wondering how self-serving that they were, like buy shares in Amazon or something, uh, versus, <laughs> you know, hey, uh, this is going to get kind of rough and uh, be prepared. There, there definitely were some some humorous messages like that you know like the, there was at least one that said buy buy shares in i forget That's like, maybe it was amazon and sell air canada something like that <laughs> um, <laughs> there were quite a few people that did have messages of preparedness so when we when me and abby miller who's another undergraduate student at acadia when we developed a coding scheme really looking at this large group of messages, more than 500 messages. Um, now, when I mentioned numbers, it's did a certain message could have contained a hopeful message and a message to prepare. So they're not, they don't just add up. It's just reflecting whether or not that, that message contained this theme. But about half of them did have messages of preparedness. So people were quite practical, you know, gather supplies, um, brace yourself for the uncertainty. This is going to go longer than you expect, that kind of thing. And then there was at least more than half the people as well had messages of encouragement, reassurance, optimism, advice to cope in positive and active ways, like tending to your well-being, um, being 
cultivating compassion and kindness towards yourself and others, to maintain a routine and to, there were a lot of messages also centered around appreciation. So appreciating and hugging your loved ones and appreciating what you have, all those typical things you would do in life, like take a walk outside or have a meeting at work, you know, going to the hairdresser, that kind of thing. And overall, we did notice that there were 10 times more, there were 10 times messages of encouragement compared to discouragement. So very few people were actually just taking this really hard. Although you could tell that people were concerned based on their messages of preparedness. It wasn't just practical stuff. It was being mentally prepared. Um, But overall, we were struck by the positivity, you know, by people, um, having a good mindset, encouraging themselves to tend to their well-being. Um, People really seem to be re-examining their life and taking stock of what they have and being appreciative. And there is a tendency, I think, you know, and, and that research, I think, has been supported by research that looks at how in situations of uncertainty, people reassure themselves or are hopeful as a sense to try to, um, to make sense of a very unusual situation. But at the same time, I think given the time of year that it was, because the messages we looked at were from March, April, and May, summer was coming. I really think that a lot of that hope and optimism was genuine. Courtney and Dr. Blair and the rest of the team are working on a follow-up study, so we'll see later on if the optimism from the beginning of the pandemic holds. Also at the beginning of the pandemic, the first thing many people thought about was frontline healthcare workers. The CPA started a pro bono program with psychologists across the country offering free counseling services to overwhelmed healthcare professionals. And in Ottawa, Dr. Melanie Joannis got busy creating a guide to wellness for her co-workers at the Montfort Hospital. It's simple, it's easy to read, and it's quite funny. You can find it on the COVID resources page at cpa.ca, and you can also find it all around the world as it sort of went viral as soon as she created it. Can we still say going viral? Is that bad form in the middle of... Uh, Anyway, so how did the Guide to Wellness come about? Uh, But really what got triggered the the Guide to Wellness was really working within uh, the Montfort Hospital and seeing what people were going through, especially at the the onset of all of this and still seeing it now, I have to say. I don't think our healthcare workers are doing as well um, as people may may think. Um, At the beginning, I think we were all in an acute phase of... um, of stress, but now it's the exhaustion and, and feeling, is there going to be an end to this? Um, especially as the numbers are not really under control. Um, but mostly what, what, what brought me for that guide was to see that, was to see um, how everyone at the hospital was just kind of getting all together and, you know, seeing people in roles, like, for example, like um, uh, occupational therapist or social workers wearing like the shields and the and the gowns and all of this which they typically don't do right so it was like it was all hands on deck right it it just changed how everyone was working and I felt like what what can I contribute to them right I'm as a psychologist uh, I'm not really great at uh, acute care no one would want me into the ER Um, so I figured you know maybe doing a guide would be helpful and one of the thing that brought me also to the guide was while we were researching the psychologists at the Montfort, because we wanted to support our kind of support the troops, I was reading a lot of things online and there was a lot of good resources, but I was just picturing a physician or a nurse or, uh, you know, an RT 
sitting down and having this list of 25 things they could, 25, 25 pages, uh, papers that they could read on how, and I could just imagine them just shutting their computer down and saying, I, I don't have time. I don't have the capacity for that. So I wanted to write something that encompasses a lot of what we know of some of the evidence-based uh, ways, but package it in a way that was visually attractive, but also, you know, kind of funny and really representative of what they were going through so that it would be almost like a light read versus of, you know, now you have to take care of yourself and here are the four or five steps to do so. Right. And uh, how has it been received? Have you heard any feedback on it? Well, that was the interesting part because I wrote this and what I would call probably a hypomanic phase, but as, as, as psychologists, we always have to pathologize any type of creativity. Um, but <laughs> I, was, I was writing this and, you know, I, I put it out there and I figured, you know, if a couple people read it, that's great. And then I had the call from the communication a director of the Mofa Hospital who called me and said, what was your uh, marketing or communication strategy for this? And I'm like, I have none. And she's like, well, we're from being bombarded by people who are saying they like it. And, you know, and I was starting to receive like a lot of emails and even emails from people in Europe saying, we like this, can we translate it? Um, and I was like, sure, you go and you do. And, and, and so the, the communication um, director, another communication agent at the Montfort helped me understand. Uh, so we created like, like a creative commune so people could understand that they could take it. The goal for me was for it to be available for free. Uh, you know, I didn't really... I kind of felt like I didn't invent anything. I just took from the best and put it in one package. Uh, so maybe too with too much humility, I just felt like it's just, I have nothing. I, I wanted to be very um, discreet in this. It wasn't a self-promoting tool. It was just, I and now I know some people in Hawaii, BC, and types of workers have reached out to me. So it's been, it's been quite, quite the experience, I have to say, and, and very moving to know that it's been uh, touching a lot of people in that way. Well, that's great. And without a communication or marketing strategy to begin with, this yeah. managed to take off. I don't think I'm going to include that because then okay. I will seem like a useless part of my own job, you know, <laughs> as the communications and marketing person. Yeah, you, you, shouldn't, you shouldn't say that, but if... <laughs> <laughs> But anything, you should include it to say that actually you guys are so valuable because when you do these things without thinking, you don't think of all that strategy and how to, because I was getting maybe 15 emails of people saying, is it okay for me to use this? Can I distribute this? And I was like, yes, I gave it like in a PDF format. Like for me, that was like a, a given, right? And the communication right. director was like, that's not how it works. Like you have to write this, you have to do this, you have to. And she's like, maybe you should set up one email account and you about this you should be doing this and I was like oh you guys are so smart like I didn't that was not in my purview so if you want to add that piece to say that you guys are really important and now, psychologists are very useless <laughs> in doing it I'll give you full permission to include that and so I shall My name is Eric Bowman. I'm the communications person at the CPA, the writer, editor, scheduler, and host of the Mindful Podcast, and Melanie Joannis says I'm very valuable. Our theme music is Avenues by David Taylor. We will bring you more stories of psychologists making a difference before the end of the month. Thank you for listening to Mindful. <laughs>